Thank you very much for that warm welcome. Uh, the danger for me when my wife's out of the country is what I eat, but uh, <laughs> she doesn't have to know about that. So, um, We normally come to second service, so some of you I might recognize as friendly faces. I'm sure the rest of you are friendly as well, but uh, we don't normally see you folks, so it's nice to be here at the first service. As you know, um, we've been going through a series talking about the apostles, and today I'm going to talk about Ezekiel. So. If you know your Bibles, he's not an apostle, so I have a bit of freedom to step outside of that series just for this week. So what I want to do is, uh, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Ezekiel 47. We're going to look at the first 12 verses. We're going to break it down into little chunks, and I will spend more time in one section than in others. And um, keeping one eye on the clock, I will do my best to bring it home at the right time. I might have to skip a few things, we'll see. So let me read verses 1 and 2, then we'll pray, and then we'll get into where we're going with this passage. So, okay. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming from out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He, was there, he then brought me out through the north gate and led me around through the outside to the outer gate facing east and the water was flowing from the south side. It's a bit of a mouthful, so let's pray first. Let's ask the Lord to help us to understand what he wants us to hear this morning. So, Lord Jesus, you are the living word, and your word is alive because your spirit empowers it. And we ask now that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you have for us this morning, that you would help us, Lord, not just to be hearers, but to be doers of everything that you bring to our hearts. Amen. So there's a lot of imagery in this passage, which means that I have a bit of license as to where I go with this because nobody really understands fully what it means. I'll give you my best idea as to what the various commentaries have said about it. But I want to just get into a whole general story about the image of the water flowing from the temple being to do with an analogy of our journey and our deeper walk with the Lord. So we'll get more into that in the second um, section of verses that we'll look at. So. Let me just give you a little bit of background first. Ezekiel had been taken into captivity. He's in Babylon at this time. And King Nebuchadnezzar, somewhere around 597, 595, had invaded Judah and had taken all of the top leadership out of Judah. That was their strategy. Strip out the top leaders. The whole country is left in turmoil. They take those people into captivity. They wait a while, come back, take the next level. And the last time he went into Judah, he destroyed the temple. So at this point, the temple has been destroyed and um, they have nowhere left where they feel like God resides with them, not even as they're in Babylon. They can't look back to Jerusalem and think, well, at least God is still in the temple. They have completely lost hope in how that all works for them. Now, there's a lot of imagery, like I said, in Ezekiel. You'll know some of the stories. There's, there's the strange one about the wheels within the wheels, which some people outside of the church like to think that was all about aliens. I don't happen to hold that view. There's the story about the dry bones, which is probably the most famous one from Ezekiel. And then we have this one, which is all about the man who gives um, Ezekiel a little tour through the temple and then from the temple into the river. And we don't know exactly what that means, but I want to draw attention to a few things as we go through these first few verses. So as we know, as I said, the temple is God's dwelling place. In the Old Testament, it was the tabernacle or the tent. 
and there were lots of rules and regulations about how the priests had to prepare themselves in order to go into God's presence. And so this vision here is not about that. This is about a temple that has not yet been built. It's a future temple that Ezekiel is being shown that God will one day build. Now, I don't know if it's actually a physical temple. We'll come back to that in a few minutes. But I know that it is something that God is going to reveal to us, whichever generation that might be as time goes by. I want you to pay attention to, we'll come back to it, the the verse is gone there, but at the end of verse 2, if you have your Bibles, um, where it talks about, and the water was flowing from the south side, that word flowing can be translated trickling. So I want you to understand that we're talking about something coming out of the temple, but at this point it could just be a, a small flow, a little stream. Again, I'll come back to the importance of that in a while. Now, we know that the water always flows from the temple. God's presence is in the temple. Whenever God moves out of the temple, then he flows out into the the streets and to where we understand that he is now. We also know that at the crucifixion, when Jesus died on the cross, we know the temple, in, in the temple, the curtain was torn in two. The symbolism being that man could now enter into God's presence without the help of the priests and all of that. The thing that we sometimes miss, I think, is that in a way God is also saying, I am now coming out amongst you. So it's not just that we can go into his presence, but God is saying, expect me to come out into into where you are now. Uh, John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, used to say, the meat is in the street. Now, I want you to understand what that does not mean. It doesn't mean that we look at people out there as if they're meat that we just have to go and kind of capture. What it means is the meat of what we are all about as Christians is out there in the street. The church is here to equip us to do what we do out there because the Lord is flowing out there and that's where he calls us to. Now let me move on to the next section starting in verse 3. And I just want to preface this by saying I don't want you to hear any criticism in what I'm saying. I hope it doesn't come across that way. I want it to be encouragement as we go through this journey This is a journey that I've been on. I think most of you will have been on this. You might have to go back a few years. But this is a journey, and this is about encouraging us to go deeper. So let's read from verse 3. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. Just for the sake of explanation, uh, a cubit is a distance from the tip of your finger to your elbow. So if you're ever going to buy a piece of land, take a really big guy with you so you you get good value for money. But when it talks about a 1,000 cubits, that's roughly 1,500 feet. So let's just journey in this, um, join Ezekiel in this journey as he goes out into the river. So the imagery is that we're called out into the water. So I'm I'm going to switch backwards and forwards between Ezekiel and then our journey as well. So we're called out into the water little by little. And in a strange kind of way, not only are we in the river, but the river is in us. So where does it start? It starts where we're up to the ankle. Now, if, if you're used to um, paddling out, let's say, in the river or at, at the seaside, 
When you go up to your ankle, that's a pretty safe place to be, isn't it? You don't feel too threatened by that. It feels like, okay, I can handle this. Even if you can't, <coughs> even if you can't swim, that's an okay place for you. Maybe every now and then there might be a little bit of a ripple or a wave and you feel like I've, I've finally gotten that piece of my body warm in the water and then a, a wave comes and it splashes up a bit further and you feel, okay, there's something deeper out there that I'm not aware of. So when we're ankle deep, we can feel the sand between our toes, we can see our feet. If you're ankle deep and you can't see your feet, I would suggest you might want to get out of that river. It's <laughs> probably not the place you want to be. But we're in that place and we feel, okay, I'm comfortable here. This is okay for me. In fact, this is where I might choose to stay. Let me tell you the story about a baby elephant. I don't know if this is true, but it's a good story, so I'll use it anyway. When a baby elephant is first born, let's say it's a circus elephant, even though they're big in, in comparison to other animals, at that point, they're still relatively weak. They don't know their own strength. So what happens is, in order to stop the elephant running away, they drive a stake in the ground, put a, a shackle around the elephant's leg, and then connect it to the stake in the ground. Now, at that point in its life, that baby elephant cannot break free of that shackle. It tries, it tries, it can't break free. So what does that mean? Sometimes we stay at the shore ankle deep because we feel like we can't break free from that place. What happens later on, when that elephant becomes fully grown, they still use the same little spike in the ground and the same little chain because the elephant gave up years ago believing it could break free. Do you understand what that means? That we get stuck in a place sometimes where ankle deep is all we think we can cope with or because the enemy is a liar, he tells us you can't go any deeper because you're shackled because of the things that in your life that have brought you shame or discouragement or just things that, that you feel like that disqualifies me. I want you to know this morning in your walk with the Lord as he calls you deeper, the enemy is a liar and you are not disqualified. You can break free of those shackles. The other thing I would say too is that the danger when we're ankle deep is we might not know if people even realize we're in the river. So sometimes when we're out in the street, and to really twist the analogies, but when we're out in the street but we're ankle deep in the river, people don't always recognize that, that we're walking and moving in the spirit. And so the Lord calls us to go deeper. Okay, so then we move to that point where we're up to our knees so still pretty safe if, if, uh, if a little bit of a ripple or a current comes along, we're not likely to be knocked off our feet, so we're okay still. And um, you know we're, we're a bit more out of our comfort zone, but it's still not far back to the bank, we'll be okay. And uh, the danger is that sometimes at that level, some activity around us might knock us off our feet, so we get a little bit anxious, but, but we'll be okay. And then the next level is that we're called to go out up to our waist. Now, you're kind of half in, half out at that point. If you, were, if you were a parent and you had a child, you'd probably say, okay, that's deep enough. If you go any deeper, it's time for the water wings or the floaty or whatever you call it nowadays. But you're kind of in and out. You're not sure if you're going any further, that's far enough, especially if you know when you get out into the cold water, it's okay till here. When it gets to here, it's like, oh, that is cold. I don't think I'm gonna go any further than that. And that's sometimes our comfort zone. Our comfort zone with the Lord is what feels comfortable for us. And I want to turn that around for you because he's always calling us to a place, not because 
he knows that we're going to like it necessarily, but he calls us to be in a place with him where because he's there, his, his, um, his validation of who we are gives us that comfort level to be able to walk with him and go out to those deeper places. Now, the, the passage says that the next level is, is out to the deep. Now, I happen to think, and I've just been to California, and while we were there, our, our oldest granddaughter was deciding that she wanted to try and learn to swim without her floaties on. So if you remember back to those days in your own life, what you tend to do is you go deep enough to the point where you're kind of up to here, but if you kind of hop, you still can keep your head above water. And I think that's, that's one other level where we're almost all the way in trusting the Lord and letting him have complete control, but we still like to know that we've got the safety and security of being able to touch the floor. And the Lord wants us to just take that last step and move out there. The problem with that is that that's the most exhausting place to be. You're constantly hopping up and down, trying to keep safe and not quite wanting to go out and just let the Lord have control. And I want to challenge you, wherever you are today, ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, hopping around, that the Lord calls us to that next level of being super deep. How do we get there? One of the things that we need to do, and we can do that here, is to hang out with people who know how to swim. One of the challenges I have is that I married somebody who loves to swim in the deep. So that's kind of scary for me because it doesn't matter how much, how much courage I grab. So when we go to the river, she'll be out on the jet ski and I'll be like, yeah, I'll see you when you come back. You know, and that's, uh, that's just my comfort level. I, I, I always tell people, my comfort level is like this little box, and then inside that box is another little box, and that's where it is. So. But the Lord wants to call us beyond that place to that place of deep in the river. And so at the, in that passage, it talks about the river now is so deep that, that you would have to swim if you wanted to not drown. In fact, it says that you, you barely could swim across it. You can't touch the bottom. You have to get to that place where you can abandon yourself to the Lord. Now, that's not giving up. Abandoning yourself to the Lord is not giving up. It's saying, Lord, you can have control. You can be the one who determines where the current takes me. You can be the one who determines how this works in your plan, because my plan generally doesn't work out too well. Now, one of the other things that I thought was an awesome analogy, because I knew I was going to talk about this while I was in California, I was watching my granddaughter swim, and she would struggle, struggle, struggle. She couldn't really swim. For some reason, the back end would sink all the time, and she was struggling away. And my wife said to her, look, when you get tired, just stop swimming, go under the water, take a break, come back up and swim. What a great analogy. When you get exhausted and you can't cope, don't swim for the shore like crazy and drown. Just go into the spirit and rest in the spirit. Rest in the body of Christ until you get that energy and, and you can once again come back to that place where you say, okay, Lord, let's do this again. It's an awesome place to be. And here's the key. You will go as deep as you allow yourself to be led by the Lord. He's not going to force us. When we're all the way back at ankle deep, he's still holding our hand. He hasn't said, come on, you coward. He wants us to come when we're ready to come, but he's always encouraging us to come deeper with him. And I want to encourage you this morning to think about where you're at. You probably know, yes, I'm probably 
Maybe I'm up to my waist, but I know that the Lord is calling me deeper. And some of the songs, I love the way the Lord puts things together. We sang songs about going deeper. We sang songs about breaking chains. And the Lord is calling you to come deeper with him. And I want to really encourage you in that place, that he still has a hand wherever we are. He's not going to drag us. He's not going to leave us on the shore on our own, but he wants us to go deeper. Now, remember I said right at the start in verse 2, that word that talks about flowing can also be that word trickling. Now, here's the thing that's interesting, and the commentaries kind of have a mixture of opinions about this, but there isn't actually anywhere in the verses where it talks about other rivers, other tributaries that join together with this stream coming out of the temple, and somehow it becomes this deep, deep river. I think in the mystery of God, it gets deeper because we're in it, and it's in us. There's something about the church. See, I think this, this whole picture of the temple could be an image of the church that is future, and maybe we are that future church. Not saying that God won't rebuild the temple, but there's a lot of imagery here about the Lord has called us that what he wants to do is dependent upon us getting in that river and the river flowing where it needs to go. Now, we talk a lot about the prodigals, and sometimes we think the prodigals are the people that got wet up to their ankles and then they got out again. But I want you to know, and we've probably all been there at times, that sometimes the prodigal has been all the way in the deep, and yet something has happened, and they've struggled back to the shore. You see, when the river flows in the street, when the river flows out of the temple, it goes wherever it goes, and sometimes in that river there's rocks, and we're going to hit ourselves against things at times. We're going to get wounded. We're going to get caught unawares, and we will feel like, forget this, I'm getting out but the Lord wants us to stay and immerse ourselves in him, in the spirit, and to let him heal us up and to, to move on. And so if you feel like you're here this morning in the place of, yeah, I used to be out there in the deep. I used to do all this stuff. The Lord used to use me to do this and that. And what happened? I don't know. The Lord wants you to launch out into the deep again. He wants you to come to that place where you abandon yourself to him. Let me tell you a story. Um, it's not a true story, but... Uh, it's an analogy of where I want to go. I live in Bedford, and the river in Bedford is called the River Ooze. It's a wonderful name for a river. It's uh, actually spelled O-U-S-E. In fact, it's the Great Ooze. Now, a number of years ago, and I'm sure since I was away in California and come back, um, we all get weather that's so cold it drops below zero. There's a, a thin ice across the river. It just freezes over, but maybe just, just very thin ice. Now, let's suppose a friend comes to me and says, hey, look, the river's frozen. Why don't we go ice skating? And I look at him and I say, you are crazy. Wild horses would not get me on that river. And he says, where's your faith? So I muster my faith, and we put our skates on, and we jump on the river, and we go straight through. Of course, that's what would happen. Now, let's suppose the next night, the temperature drops to 30 below. Now the ice is a foot deep. I don't know if that's physically possible that quickly, but let's say it is. Now he comes back to me and says, hey, let's go swimming. I mean, sorry, let's go ice skating. I put my skates on again. I muster my faith. I jump on the ice. Same thing happens. No, the same thing doesn't happen. This time I could take the wild horses with me. It's a foot deep. It's a foot thick. You see, the important thing, what I'm trying to get across here is it's not my faith, it's the object of my faith. Jesus is the foot-thick ice that we put our trust in. 
It's not about, am I full of faith? Sometimes I'm not. Most of the time I'm not. But he is always the foot-thick ice that we can put our hope in, that we can launch out into the deep and we can come to where he calls us to be. Now, I know that analogy doesn't work with ice and getting in the river and getting wet, but you get the point. So, Okay, let me um, move on to the next section. Uh, I'm going to read it from verse, halfway through verse 6. Uh, I'm probably driving the guys crazy up there, but verse 6. Um, then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, where it enters the sea. When it empties into the sea, the water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. You almost don't need to say anything more just to read that passage. In, in the light of what we've said about that this is the spirit of the Lord moving out into the places where it's not so nice. But the, where the river flows, everything will live. Now what's interesting about that, at the start of that passage, it talks about, then he led me back to the river. See, there's a whole difference between people that struggled out of the river, they couldn't take it and they swam for the shore, the other side of that is the Lord leads us to the river. When he leads us somewhere, it's because he has something for us to do. And I want you to know that this river is a powerful force. Let's see if I can put this across to you because there's a misconception, I think, that if you're old school and you've grown up with the King James Bible, you may have read this verse before. Uh, Matt, if you can put up um, Isaiah 59, 19, the King James Version. There we go. Now, let me read this to you, then I want to read it to you from the NIV and see if you can see a difference. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Okay, then, then from the NIV, next piece. From the, men, from the west, men will fear the name of the Lord and from the rising of the sun, they will revere his glory for he will come like a pent-up flood that the breath of the Lord drives along. Matt, if you can go back to the King James Version, I want to just point out something to you. I'm not a theologian, but, but this is what I think happened, because if you read this in every other version, what they should have done was put the comma in a different place. What it should say is, when the enemy shall come in, like a flood, the Lord will rise up a standard against him. That's the river that we're in. You see, when you understand that difference, when you're in the river, you know that it's going to change what goes on around it. You know that it's going to bring life wherever it goes. And if, if we had the time, people could come up here and give their testimony and say, you know what, I've been in the river and the Lord has completely changed me. And when he took me back to the shore, I was able to change people around me, my family members, my coworkers, and that's what the river's all about. It takes us, it changes the salty water into fresh water. When you go to the banks of the river, you will find, I won't read the last section, but you can read it for yourselves from 10 to 12, but it talks there about that uh, the fruit will serve for food and the leaves for healing, so that when we go back to the shore, we're led back to the shore by the Lord, we're coming to a place where we are able to bring life and fruit and healing to those who need that. And oftentimes, 
that will be the people that are the prodigals that, that still longingly look and say, I don't know how to quite get back there, but I wish I could. And, and the Lord wants you to come back to that place. The Lord wants to bring you back to that place of stepping into that deep place again with him. So let me ask you a couple of questions, and then I'm going to play a little video clip for you, and then we'll be done. So my first question would be this. How wet are you? Are you still ankle deep, knee deep, up to your waist, still hopping up and down, getting exhausted? Or are you out in that place where you swim and you float and you let the Lord take you where the river takes you? How wet are you? How deep do you want to go? You can go as deep as you're willing to be led. The restriction is not on his side. The people around you know that you're even in the river. For you, is the ice thin or is it three feet thick? Have you fixed your eyes on the person who is the one that gives us that hope? Uh, I have another story, but I'll skip it for here. I want to encourage you to keep your eyes on the Lord and launch out into the deep. And we're going to finish with a video clip now. This is a, a I guess you'd call it a poem. Uh, it's a poem by a guy called Isaac Wimberley. It's called The Word. And what he really does in this poem is he just directs your sight and your thoughts and everything about you to focus on the Lord. And when you focus on the Lord, you can walk out to the deep. You see, when, when Peter stepped on the water, I'm not sure if Peter had faith to know that he could do it, but he had faith in the one who said, come. And that's what's important. It's, it's the object of our faith. So if we can roll this video clip and uh, thank you.